Welcome to a breath of fresh air with Sandy Kay. Because it's a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. A breath of fresh air. Beautiful day. Oh, baby, any day that you're gone away. It's a beautiful day. Hello, how are you? I hope you've been enjoying a lovely week since we were last together. I really want to thank all of you who've taken the time to write to me and either tell me how much you're enjoying the show or to request a guest. The response to my call out has just been amazing and I want you to know that I'm working hard on getting all these guests onto the show just as quickly as I can. This week it's all about the Oak Ridge Boys. Do I need to play you their biggest hit to remind you of who they are? Elvira. the deep bass voice is Richard Sturban. He's our special guest today because Richard has recently released a book based on his incredible career that's taken him all the way from singing in his local church to sharing a stage with the King, Elvis Presley, in Las Vegas, and on to joining the Oak Ridge Boys after that. I'll let Richard fill you in with the details. Hello there. Great to have your company. My pleasure, certainly. And it's a pleasure to talk to you and all your viewers and listeners, whatever, you know, out there. Thanks a million for your time today. And congratulations on an awesome book. Could we track back your career a little bit and come back to present day? No problem whatsoever. You know, whatever you want to do, I'm, I'm here to do it. Oh, yeah. I like I like a man that's easygoing like that. That's great. <laughs> Richard, you've been with the Oak Ridge Boys since 1973. That's really quite a stint. Tell us how you started with them in the first place. Well, you know, the first singing that I ever did, believe it or not, was as a boy soprano. I know that's hard to believe. And I was about six years old. And it was in that very church, the First Assembly of God Church in Camden, New Jersey. When I was in Sunday school, I do remember that experience of me standing in front of the congregation in church and singing. And that day, even as a boy of six years old, I was impressed that that is what I was meant to do with my life. I, f- I felt like I was meant to be in front of people and sing. Now, I continued singing with a high voice until I got into junior high school. And when I was in seventh grade in junior high school, I still had a high voice. I was singing tenor in what we called the Glee Club back then. And uh, over the summer between seventh grade and eighth grade, my voice made a drastic change. And when I went back for the eighth grade year, you know, the choir teacher could not believe the difference. She ended up putting me in the second bass section and obviously... I've been there ever since. You know, many young boys go through a period of time where their their voice is squeaky and they talk real high and down real low. And it seems like to me, it almost happened overnight. It wasn't quite that abrupt, but it kind of seemed that way back then. My mama told me while sitting on her knees, she said, someday you're gonna be a man. So boys start now and you make it somehow Take this book and read God's plan Wake up every morning, kneel down and pray Start your day out right And when the sun goes down and you start to rest You can go to sleep at night One day I was kneeling Take me home to stay I'll trust God for my tomorrows I'm gonna serve the Lord today 
I grew up in church. I sang in church, and all the music that I was used to was was gospel music. I grew up singing the old hymns, and they became a big part of me. When I got to college, I ran into these three other guys that kind of had the same interest in, in gospel quartet singing that I did. So what we ended up doing was organizing our own group right there uh, while I was going to college in Trenton. And uh, we started singing. And it, it was kind of an interesting time in my life. We called the group the Keystone Quartet. And while I was singing in that Keystone Quartet, we worked some concerts with a group called the Faith Four Quartet. And believe it or not, Joe Bonzel, who's now the tenor singer and has been for years here in the Oak Ridge Boys. He, he sings the lead vocal on Elvira. He was in that group, and we started working together. And eventually, when there was a, a need for a membership change in our group, I approached Joe and asked him if he would join the Keystone. So he left his, his group, the Faith Four, and joined the Keystone Quartet. And we started singing together before either of us ever became members of the Oak Ridge Boys. There's a lighthouse on the hillside that overlooks life's sea. When I'm tossed, it sends out a light or light that I might see. And the light that shines in darkness. singing in my own group that I helped organize. And uh, I got a call one day from a gentleman named J.D. Sumner. Not J.D. himself, but his son-in-law. Uh-huh. Now, J.D. Sumner, J.D. Sumner is actually in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's lowest bass singer. And he wanted to hire a younger bass singer to take his place. He had businesses on the side that he wanted to, to devote his time to, publishing companies and a talent agency, and he wanted to hire a younger guy to take his place. So he called me and offered me the job. But it involved me having to move to Nashville. I was living in just outside of Buffalo, New York at the time, and I had to move to Nashville. And, uh, you know, I happened to be in the right place at the right time. I was only there singing with J.D. Sumner and the Stamps, for just a few months, and J.D. Sumner got a phone call. It kind of changed our lives. It was from Elvis. Elvis was looking to hire a new backup group because the group that he had called the Imperials, they had a conflict, and they could not make the tour that was coming up. So we had Elvis had to hire a new group. He had a friendship with J.D. Sumner because they both lived in, in Memphis for many years together. And so he, to make a long story short, he hired J.D. Sumner and the Stamps to be his backup group. I happened to be there at that time. So here I am, a young man in my 20s, I found myself singing on stage with the biggest star in the world, uh, with Elvis. Why me, Lord, what have I ever done to deserve special time. I got to know Elvis just a little bit. 
uh, I have some great memories of the times I spent there. So it really was a special time in my life. And now that many years have passed, I look back on that. You know, I'm glad I was able to experience that. I can't imagine anything more special because, of course, that was was when Elvis was really in his heyday, wasn't it? That was it at the peak of there, his career. There is no question. He was he was like an amazing person. In fact, in my book, I talk about the first time I ever met Elvis, and and it was a special experience. You know, up to that point in my life, I was a fan of Elvis's, but I was more of a casual fan, if I could put it that way. When I joined the Stamps Quartet and we found out that we were going to be singing with Elvis, it involved us having to rehearse. So we, the tour started in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We went up there and gathered in the rehearsal hall uh, where we were supposed to be. The TCB band, they were all there. The Sweet Inspirations, the backup singers, they were all there. Kathy Westmoreland, the girl soprano that signed with Elvis for years, she was there. And we kind of met these people and kind of hung out with them. said, you know, Elvis is normally fashionably late. He likes to be fashionably late. But they said, this is a little bit unusual today. They, they, they said, because usually he doesn't make us wait this long. But to make, make the long story short, we hung out. Uh, finally, we heard this commotion coming down the hall. The door opened and Elvis walked into the room and with his bodyguards, his entourage, and when he walked into the room, my jaw dropped. I went, wow. You know, I, I was, as I said, I was kind of a casual fan up to that point in my life. But when he walked through the room, I realized immediately why he was the biggest star in the world. He he had some such charisma, such magnetism. I, I, I'm not sure I could even think of the right word, but when, you could almost feel him walk into the room. It was a very special experience. He came over. He hugged us all by around our necks. He called me by my first name and welcomed me into the organization. So it was a meeting of us for the first time. It was very, a very special time. It really was. Why don't you swing down, sweet chair, and stop and let me ride. Swing down, chair, and stop and let me ride. Rock me, Lord, rock me, Lord. Come and easy, will. I've got a home on the other side.
saying is that despite his incredible aura, he was a pretty humble, down-to-earth guy himself. He really was. He, he was a great guy. I enjoyed being around him. And I told you, I have some great memories at times that, uh, you know, I, I, I spent with Elvis. And even though Elvis was the uh, king of rock and roll, and he certainly was, I really believe deep down inside, his favorite music was gospel music. He loved gospel music. And what he wanted it to do quite often, especially when we were on tour, is to try to find a piano somewhere where we would all gather around the piano and together with us, we would sing gospel quartet songs. You know, he loved he loved those gospel songs. He really loved the, the black spirituals too. And we would do a lot of that. In fact, I developed a new appreciation for spirituals just being around Elvis. But like I say, my memories are, you know, of Elvis, probably the fondest memories involve singing gospel songs. To me, one of the highlights of Elvis's tour, not so much singing backstage and all, but the actual show, he sang a well-known hymn, well-known gospel song called How Great Thou Art. And when he would do that in the middle of his show, it, it would, a feeling would come over the audience. It, it's just unbelievable, you know? And you could tell when he sang that song that he really felt it deep down inside. He believed what he was singing. And it was a special moment, you know, in, in his show and, and in his tour you know, almost every night. When Christ shall come, Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, Oh, my God, how great thou art! Then sings my soul, I'll say, God, to thee. fan and let's face it who isn't I'm just fascinated to learn all these tidbits about the king how lucky was Richard Sturban to befriend him and sing with him want to know how Richard went from Elvis to Elvira stay tuned this is a breath of fresh air with Sandy Kay it's a beautiful day thanks for hanging in the song Elvira was originally written and performed by a guy called Dallas Frazier in 1966 on his album of the same name. Though a minor hit for him at the time of release, the song obviously became a bigger and much more famous country and pop hit by the Oak Ridge Boys in 1981. Today, Elvira is considered to be one of the Oak Ridge Boys' signature songs. Elvira. I'm chatting with Richard Sturban from the Oak Ridge Boys who was playing with Elvis in his band and of course you were with Elvis on that Elvis on tour tour in 1972 and that's now the soundtrack from that I believe is out as a box set for the very first time. So the the legacy of Elvis just continues to live on and on doesn't it? Does that surprise you so many years later? You know it is kind of surprising you know and in fact I quite often I think to myself, you know, who in the music business today will be remembered like Elvis is remembered today, what, almost 40 years after he passed away. But but I often wonder, you know, and I don't know that there's anyone else out there that I can name that will be as popular, you know, 35 or 40 years after he passes away like Elvis is today. It's a phenomenon that's hard to believe. And, you know, in our business, we have an expression called mailbox money. And what that is, you go to your mailbox and you get a check. <laughs> and every now and then, even after all these years, 
even though I was a backup singer on Elvis's records, occasionally I still get a check. So, so it just shows you his records are still selling worldwide. It's, it's, it's quite a phenomenal thing. Which was your favorite of all the tracks that you sang on? My favorite of Elvis's songs? Yeah. Oh, let's, you know, probably the biggest record that Elvis had while I was there is a song called Burning Love, a hunk, a hunk of burning love. And I sing on that record. And I remember being in a recording session in Los Angeles at the RCA studios with Elvis. And Elvis recorded differently than most people. He had no idea what he was going to record until he got to the recording session. They started playing songs. They started playing demos. Most of what he heard, he did not like. Until they played Burning Love. When they played that song, boy, he sat up. He, he, he said, wow. He said, let's do this right here, right now. And right on the spot. We recorded that song. It was a lot of fun. And it's, it's the biggest record he had while I was there. And I still hear it on the radio every now and then. And it makes me feel good that many, many years ago, I actually was part of Elvis's show. Did you have to do many takes of that song? As I said a, a minute ago, Elvis recorded differently than most people. First of all, he recorded in a studio like he like he, like he sang on stage. He used a handheld microphone and he walked around like he's on stage. You know, and that is an engineer's nightmare. It really is. <laughs> but, but another thing was was interesting about Elvis, like most singers, he did not sing the same song six or eight or 10 or 12 times till they got it right. He got it right the first time. Now, I think the, mo the most he ever recorded a song when I was with him was maybe twice. And if you're the engineer, when Elvis sings, you've got to get it. It shows you how good he was, because he, he got it on the very first take. Wow, how incredible. Uh, Richard Sturbin, your book is called From Elvis to Elvira, My Life on Stage. And of course, it refers to the fact that at the time you were on stage with Elvis, you accepted an offer to go and join the Oak Ridge Boys. Tell us about that. Well, it was it was an interesting experience. I it, it, it was a major decision that I had to make in my life, and it changed my life, really, to be very honest with you. It was in 1972, and apparently I was on top of the world singing with the king of rock and roll. And one day, I got a phone call. And it was from William Lee Golden of the Oak Ridge Boys. Now, if you're familiar with our group at all, he's the gentleman in our group with the long beard. However, back then in 1972, when he called me up, he did not have that long beard. He was Mr. GQ, if you know what I'm saying, Mr. Gentleman Quarterly. You know, <laughs> So he had a totally different look. But anyway, he called me and he said the bass singer and the Oak Ridge Boys was leaving the group, and the Oak Ridge Boys wanted to know if I would be interested in taking the job. Now, as I already said, I was apparently on top of the world singing with Elvis, but I had to make a decision, like, what do I do? And I had to admit that at the same time, I was a big fan of the Oak Ridge Boys. I was very familiar with their music. Uh, I, I loved the music that they were making. I actually collected their records. And I really felt like the group had a great deal of potential, and I wanted to be a part of it. I really did. So I may I, I thought it over for a day or so, and I called, got called William Lee Golden back, and I told him I would take the job, you know. And so I, I so I actually in 1972 left Elvis and joined the Oak Ridge Boys. And back then, a lot of people questioned that decision. How could you do that? How could you leave Elvis and join the Oak Ridge Boys? But I really believed I was doing the right thing. I believed down in my heart I was doing the right thing and because I really wanted to be a part of the group. And now that I look back on that decision I made 50 years ago, I think I made a pretty good decision back then. <laughs> I think so, too. 
the Oak Ridge boys at the time were just in their formative years, weren't they? So you really had to believe that they had a big future. Well, well I, I think that's why you know people question my decision because I was singing with the biggest star in the world. And outside of gospel music circles, the Oak Ridge boys were not that well known. When I first joined the Oak Ridge boys, probably one of the very top Southern gospel quartets. The group was dominating all the awards they call the Dove Awards. And we, we were riding along feeling pretty good about what we were doing, but we felt like we wanted to accomplish more. We felt like we did not want to be as marginalized as we were, and we, we wanted to reach more people with our music. A very important thing happened to us. We met Jim Halsey. It was his leadership and his guidance. He talked us into trying to sing country music as well as gospel. He said, you guys are an amazing act. He said, but you're three minutes away from being a major, major act in the music business. And so he went to work and he actually signed us to our first recording contract. And we started having hit records with Ron Chancey. Seems everything I buy these days has got a foreign name From the kind of car I drive To my video game I got a Nikon camera A Sony color TV But the one that I love is from the USA People criticized us. People thought we were going to be we were being too worldly, you know, by singing country music. They wanted us to stick to strictly gospel music. But it's kind of an interesting thing, you know. Once we became successful in country music, all those gospel music fans came back over to our side anyway. So, so it turned out okay. We have also never turned our back on gospel music because we still love that form of music as well. So we feel honored that we can do both. And you know, back then when I was just a young man in my 20s, singing on stage with Elvis, I had no idea that someday I would be in the Country Music Hall of Fame together with Elvis. You know, I, I, you, you never know how things are gonna happen in your life. I'm very blessed and very fortunate uh, for the last 50 years, not just me personally, but all four of the Oak Ridge boys. We've been very blessed. We've had such a great career. If you walk into the Country Music Hall of Fame, you go into what they call the Rotunda, which is the center of the building where all the acts faces are in bronze on the wall. You'll see the four faces of the Oak Ridge boys in bronze. And you look down the hallway just a short distance, and you will see Elvis. He's there. You will see Johnny Cash, you know, Dolly Parton. You know, the list goes on and on and on. And for the Oak Ridge Boys, for the Oak Ridge Boys to be a part of that group, of that family, is so special. It's beyond words. It really yeah. is. Richard Sturban, what do you think it is about the Oak Ridge Boys, and what has it been over the years that have made them so special, that have made them so popular, not only with country and Western fans, but right across the whole pop scene as well, because they really cross over, don't they? Well, I think you're right, and I think there are several reasons. I think first and foremost, we love doing what we do. And that is reflected in the music. It really does. I mean, that makes a big difference. All the guys in our group are different. Each man brings something totally different to the table, so to speak. But that's part of our appeal. The fact that we're so different, but yet we all come together as a team, is, is a very unusual concept. And, and uh, so I think, you know, the fact that we realized a long time ago that even though we're different, we respect that difference between the four of us, and, and we become friends. And I think we realized a long time ago that we need each other. You know, so we pull together as a team. You know, we're a true brotherhood, and that makes a difference. And now that we're older, I think we're better friends now than we were years ago when we were younger. I think, if anything, we're probably too old to let little things bother us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You've learned along the way. I guess it's like being family, isn't it? You've got to have your squabbles, and then you 
kind of let it go and ride with them. But you've made some fabulous music over the years with the Oak Ridge Boys and, and much of it's very diverse. Do you have a favourite amongst all the Oak Ridge Boys hits? Of course, the obvious choice is Elvira. As that is our signature song. And if you ever come to see the Oak Ridge Boys perform in person, you can count on the fact that you're going to hear Elvira. You're going to hear me do Giddy Up, Boom Papa, Boom Papa, Mount Mau. That, that is going to happen. That's our signature song. Elvira. Elvira. It's kind of an interesting part of the song. And I mentioned that Dallas Frazier wrote the song 17 years before we recorded it, believe it or not. And there's an interesting story in how he actually wrote Elvira. I have never written a song myself, but I have talked to enough songwriters to know that they will tell you that you never know where you're going to get the inspiration to write a song. Many times, it'll come from a very unexpected place. He was driving home from a recording session here in Nashville with his producer, and he was driving through East Nashville, Tennessee. He came across a street sign, believe it or not, that said Elvira Street. He immediately pulled his car over to the street sign, and right there on the spot, he pulled out a piece of paper or an envelope or something and wrote down, Elvira, Elvira, my heart's on fire for Elvira. And then he wrote the giddy up, oom papa, oom papa, mau mau part right there on the spot. And I heard him tell the story many times that the oom papa, mau mau part imitates the bumps on the road. Elvira Street had a lot. Elvira Street had a lot of potholes, and Um Papa Mama actually imitates, you know, the, the bumps on the road. Now he had he needed more song than than that. So when he got home, he wrote verses about a woman, so it would all make more sense. But the original inspiration to write the Oak Ridge Boys signature record came from a street sign in East Nashville, Tennessee. Does the street still exist today? Yes, it does. It's definitely a part of the city of Nashville. Amazing. What an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing that. When we got into the studio, you mentioned my part on that song. Our producer, Ron Chancy, he, uh, we, in fact, we called him the fifth Oak Ridge boy because he produced just most of the number one records we had in our career. When we got into the studio, it was his idea for me to do the Oom Papa Mau Mau part. Giddy up, Oom Papa Oom Papa Mau Mau. Giddy up, Oom Papa Oom Papa Mau Mau. I 
took that line and I adapted it to my way of doing things. And, uh, and I guess it turned out okay. It's probably the most well-known bass line in the music business. You know, the most fun thing for me now, we still do that song. We cannot do a show without Elvira. It is a must. Tell me a little bit more about why you think that became the hit that it, that it did. Why, how did that become your signature tune? Well, it's, it's a very catchy song. It's a very happy song. You know, you cannot listen to Elvira without smiling. You know, there's something about it. When we hit the intro to that song, when we do the song live, and even 40 years later, people immediately stand up. They start singing along. They start dancing. It, it's, it, it, it makes you just for a short while forget about your troubles and your cares. And when you do that, I think you help people. So I, I think it's a song that, once again, you know, in 1981, it was one of the largest selling singles in all the music business. And it is our signature song. There's no question about it. We'll be back in just a sec with more from Richard Sturban. This is a breath of fresh air with Sandy Kay. It's a beautiful day. The Oak Ridge Boys are a country and gospel vocal quartet that originated in Oak Ridge in Tennessee. The group was founded in the 40s as the Oak Ridge Quartet and became popular in southern gospel during the 50s. Their name was changed to the Oak Ridge Boys in the early 60s and they remained a gospel group until the mid-70s when they changed their image and concentrated on country music. The band produced some incredible country and crossover hits, the biggest of which was 1981's Elvira, which recently celebrated its 40th anniversary. We had big plans to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Elvira. It is hard to believe that Elvira is 40 years old. But actually, in reality, Elvira is older than 40 years old. The song was written 17 years before it was ever recorded by the Oak Ridge Boys. And the song was recorded like 10 times before we ever recorded it. Probably the most well-known version before ours was Kenny Rogers recording Elvira when he was still with a group called The First Edition. version, however, that I pe- think people recognize and will remember. And w- we actually had a hit on Elvira in 1981. And that's hard to believe. That was the first one for sure. And it, it became the biggest record in country music that year, 1981. And it also became one of the largest records in the total music business that year. And it, w- it was also a number one pop record as well. Mm-hmm. Now, a few years later, we were able to follow that up with, with another song that accomplished almost the same thing for us as Elvira, but not quite. A song called Bobby Sue, where I do the bop, bop, Bobby Sue. It, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, it was number one country record, and it made it into the top 10 on the pop charts. think about an Oak Ridge Boys show, probably a highlight of an Oak Ridge Boys show is when William Lee Golden, he's the guy in our group once again with the long beard, he sings a song 
called Thank God for Kids. And it is a special song written by a good friend of ours named Eddie Raven. And and William Lee Golden has this way of interpreting a lyric to a song and then communicating that lyric to the audience. And you can tell when he's singing that song that it is touching people, it's moving people. You look at people uh, holding hands, you look at people hugging their kids, uh, maybe some tears in people's eyes, and it's a special moment. So to answer your question, I would probably have to say, uh, and there could be a lot of other choices, but I think I'd have to say, thank God for kids. If it weren't for kids, have you ever thought there wouldn't be no Santa Claus? Or look what the store just brought, thank God for kids. And we'd all live in a quiet house without Big Bird or a Mickey Mouse. And who laid on the couch, thank God for kids. Thank God for kids, there's magic for a while. A special kind of sun. Music really does have the power to move people, doesn't it? And possibly to change the world in in a greater sense too. Well, you're right about that. And, you know, I think that's one of the things, the Oak Ridge Boys, I think that's one of the things we take seriously. Yes, we want to make a contribution to the music business. And I think we have over the years. But I think even more important than that, we want to be an act that is remembered for helping people with our music. We've always tried to choose material that is very inspirational in nature and that can help people. Because when we look out on that that audience every night, we have no idea what difficulties people are going through in this life. You know, they could be having marital problems, they could be having financial problems, could be going through an illness or whatever, you know. But if we can uplift these people with our music, I think we have helped these people. And in this day and age of social media, we get instant feedback of how our music has helped people. I dreamed I was dying in Texas. I closed my eyes and I sighed. Like a black and white movie, I saw my days playing out before my eyes. I was crippled by a life of injustice. I was bent from walking into the wind I pled guilty on the day of judgment God just shook my hand and grinned And he said, come on in You did the best that you could do There's a little bit of pride in every wrong There's a little bit of me in you Come on in, you did the best you could do. I think it's the perfect example of a typical Oak Ridge Boys song. We have always tried to sing about good things in life. We tried to sing about wholesome, positive things in life. We've shied away from cheating songs and getting drunk and tried to sing about long lasting relationships. And we try to encourage people along the way. You're wearing a baseball outfit there, Richard Sturban. And I know one of your other great interests is baseball. In fact, you were part owner of a team, I believe too, right? You are absolutely correct. I am an avid baseball fan. If I'm not singing music with the Oak Ridge Boys, I'm usually watching baseball games. I, I just love the sport. It's my, it's my main hobby. It really is. But you're right. We also have a team here in Nashville called the Nashville Sounds. It's a minor league baseball team. And for about 30 years, I was a part owner of the team. (laughs) And I still love to go to baseball games. And do people leave you alone there or do they clamor for autographs and photos and the like? Well, you know, like if I go to a Vanderbilt baseball game or or to a Nashville Sounds game, I've been going to those games for years. People know me. So it's usually not a problem. (laughs) Just back to the book to finish off, From Elvis to Elvira, My Life on Stage. What prompted you to write this now? I signed with Elvis 50 years ago now. And for the last 50 years, many, many, many times I would 
end up talking about my experiences with Elvis. When people found out that I used to sing with Elvis, immediately they want to know, what kind of a guy was Elvis? Tell me some Elvis stories. What was it like working with Elvis? And I spent so much time over the years talking about that, that one day I decided, you know, maybe I should write some of this down. So that's what I did. I am not a writer. I do not pretend to be a writer, but I got together with a very good friend of mine who's probably the best Elvis historian that I know. He's also a great writer. And we took some time and took us about a year to write this book. We tried to get it as factual as possible. First of all, I love the title. I think that the title kind of says it all, from Elvis to Elvira. And if you are an Elvis fan, you'll love the book. There's great Elvis stories in there. If you're an Oak Ridge Boys fan, You'll love the, 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 the book because there's great Oak Ridge Boys stories in there, but it's really my personal story. You get to know me uh, just a little bit better. I go to back to the first singing that I ever did, believe it or not, as a boy soprano, and I talk about my voice changing and going up singing, you know, the gospel music, and then eventually country music with the Oak Ridge Boys. So I'm really proud of the way it turns out. Richard's book is full of terrific stories, but one that really struck a chord with me was about the support that singing star Johnny Cash offered him along the way. I do not believe there would be an Oak Ridge Boys today if it was not for Johnny Cash. He was a special person to the Oak Ridge Boys. He was so good to a lot of young artists, but especially the Oak Ridge Boys. He and his wonderful wife, June Carter, they kind of took us under their wing. They really helped us out in our early struggling days. Johnny Cash actually booked us on some of his shows, and he always paid us more than we were really worth. Whenever you work a date, you sign a contract. He would always pay us more than the that amount. And mm-hmm. But that's the kind of person he was. And I remember working with him in Las Vegas. And after that engagement, we had no other dates booked. We did not know how we were going to continue as the, our group. We were kind of very discouraged. And Johnny Cash could sense that we were discouraged. And he said, fellas, I can tell you your heads are hanging. He says, I want to talk to you guys. He said, come to my room. So all four of us, we went up to Johnny Cash's room and he said, fellas, I can tell, you know, you're discouraged. He said, but I also can tell there's something very special about you guys. There's magic between the four of you. So what I want you guys to do, he said, I want you to find a way to stay together. If you give up now, no one else will ever know how special you guys are. He said, I know it. You guys know it. He said, but no one else knows it. So I want you to stay together. And if you do, I promise you good things will start happening to you. He said, I will do my best to help you as much as I can financially, which he did, always gave us extra money, but you are still going to have to try to find a way yourself to stay together. And obviously we did find a way to stay together. We all looked at each other and we said, wow, if Johnny Cash thinks we can make it, we are going to make it. And just a few years later, after that meeting with Johnny Cash, we won our first CMA award for vocal group of the year from, from the Country Music Association. And I remember that day when they announced our name running up on stage We ran to the right-hand side of the stage where Johnny Cash was standing because he was hosting the show. And we all hugged his neck. And I'll never forget, he said in that big, booming voice of his, he said, see, fellas, I told you so. Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Gonna stand my ground Won't be turned around And I'll keep this world from dragging me down Gonna stand my ground And I won't back down Hey, baby There ain't no easy way out will stand my ground and I won't back down. What's next for you, Richard Sturb? Well, earlier today I was asked that, that very same question and my, and my answer was the same that I'm going to give you right here. The Oak Ridge Boys do not plan to retire anytime soon. 
you know, we're not kids. You can tell by looking at me, I'm not a kid any longer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we're all older guys. But fortunately, the good Lord has blessed the four of us with pretty good health. And so I think as long as the good Lord above keeps allowing the four Oak Ridge boys to experience good health, we're going to keep doing what it is that we do. And that's singing music, traveling all over the country, you know, trying to entertain people and help people with our music. We already have plans next year to go into the studio again. I don't have a title. I don't have a list of songs or anything like that, other than that we're talking about it and we definitely plan to do it again. So my immediate time or plans for the next few years while the Oak Ridge Boys are still together is to, you know, the best I can to be the best Oak Ridge Boy and the best bass singer I can be. You never thought to upgrade the name to Oak Ridge Men. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, but we're get as long as we can get away with calling ourselves boys, we're going to do just that. Awesome. <laughs> Richard Sturban, thank you so much for joining us today. What a pleasure to meet you and hear your stories. And if people do want to hear more, the stories from Elvis to Elvira, my life on stage, the story of the Oak Ridge Boys, Richard Sturban, what a wonderful read it is, some fabulous memories. Congratulations on the book and thanks so much for your time today, Richard. Well, thank you for allowing me to talk to you and to your fine viewers and listeners out there. I had a good time and I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Richard Sturban too. I think the biggest lesson I take from his story is that belief in yourself and perseverance, no matter what, are key ingredients in forging a successful path. Hey, that's why I keep pushing forward with this little show. And you could help me too if you enjoy listening to A Breath of Fresh Air. I'd be really grateful if you could tell a friend or two or subscribe to the podcast to check out all my back episodes. And that's it for me now. Thanks so much for listening. I'll look forward to being back in your company again same time next week. Do have fun till we meet again, won't you? Bye. Because it's a beautiful day You've been listening to A Breath of Fresh Air with Sandy Kay. Beautiful day. Oh, baby, any day that you're gone away. It's a beautiful day.